In this week's episode, Simone Sloan, executive coach and DEI consultant, and I will chat about CVS paying the pink tax, Yelp championing inclusive culture, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Simone, will you please introduce yourself? Thank you so much for having me here, Bernadette. It's a lovely time to be with you. Um, Simone Sloan and my company's Your Choice Coach. And just like Bernadette, we're in the diversity and inclusion consulting space, as well as the executive coaching and really helping organizations with change, right? And really understanding where those power leaks are so we can create some strategies to mobilize them. So nonprofits, um, municipalities, for-profit organizations, we're here for you to support you along your journey. I love it. So what are some of the things that you're seeing organizations, maybe your clients or other organizations doing that are giving you hope and inspiration? Anything that's really exciting for you? Well, you know, just in terms of, and yes, lots of exciting stuff. Um, when I think about it, just in terms of the amount of information that has come about, questions being asked, that's motivating, right? Because when I look, at, I've been in the business for about 15 years, and it's been a journey just in terms of getting information, having companies talk about it, people feeling okay to talk about it. So stories, untold stories, lots of sharing, I love it. I would also say RFPs, right? Because for my nonprofit um, clients, they are asking. And it's not just about what your policy is, but how are the people? They want to look inside and dig deep. So I'm excited about that because it's now having companies take a look at, oh, what are we doing? Boards getting engaged in different ways around their DEI. And that's motivating. And, and just the value, people seeing the value in doing the work. Absolutely. I think that's great. And I love the RFP thing that you mentioned because organizations can actually, they, they have power, right? Buying power. And if you can incentivize your potential suppliers to be more equitable and inclusive, then you are, you know, having a downstream effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into today's good vibes. The first story comes from Yelp, which is doing some really cool idea things that any organization can really adapt. First off, they have this new program called Yelp Mates, which is a cross-departmental buddy program focused on socialization and fun. And this program was developed by one employee, then the entire company, and now hundreds of employees have participated. And now there's an inaugural cultural champion award, and it's really, really great stuff that Yelp is up to. And it's a fully remote workforce, I should say. You know, this was a company, I wasn't even on my radar, to be honest with you. And really, when reading about what they were doing, I was inspired and engaged and excited. And I say that because lots of companies look outward, very outwardly facing with the work that they're doing. And the fact that they said internally and externally, so they're looking at all stakeholders that are involved as part of this. 
So what resonated with me as part of this was around being heard, right? And giving employees the voice to find their voices, use it, especially when the stakes are high. They weren't backing down. They're saying, engage, we want to hear from you. And that was really amazing, especially when you talk about Dobbs, the anti-gay act going on and things of that nature, huge. Another thing, if I can go into it, the training. More than just DEI 101. I mean, you're talking in really doing some work and having the groups really reflect on what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, that was also um, inspiring for me that they're going more than just 101, check a box and move on, but also utilizing that employee survey. Because I know how many companies do we know that take a survey and they sit on that data for six months, a year, it's forgotten, people leave, and they're really looking to activate that. So that was really, truly amazing. Yeah, I love this. And especially for organizations that do have a fully remote workforce or a largely remote workforce, there are some really great best practices from Yelp. So you can see that in the chat here, or we will post it. Uh, it's posted on the, the equalityinstitute.com website. All right. So the next story comes from Walmart, which I have to say, Simone, Walmart has been showing up on five things more and more recently. Um, so the most recent news from them is that they are providing family building coverage as an employee benefit. Even employees at the retail level are eligible if they are already on the health insurance plan up to $20,000 in fertility benefits. And then full-time employees can get an extra $20,000 towards things like surrogacy and adoption. These things are expensive. And uh, I think this is a really amazing benefit from Walmart. It is. And when you're thinking about companies who are trying to move towards being an employer of choice, this becomes very important and key differentiator, right? Because like you said, it's not cheap. 20000 right? Um, in terms of the benefits that they want to share um, with, the, with the folks who want to want access. But also the equity piece around it, because you talked about full-time, part-time, hourly, right? Being able to have some of these resources to support that they never maybe have even thought about, right? In certain companies. So I think those are some things that really kind of resonated with me as I was going through and reading about what they were doing in the space. Exactly. I mean, low-income folks may have fertility problems as well, right? It's not just a, an upper or upper middle class problem. So I think this, you're right, it is a very equitable uh, piece as well. And I think also, Keeping in mind that a lot of LGBTQ plus folks are building their families in unique ways, the fact that this benefit includes surrogacy and adoption is really significant. All right. Third story is about formerly incarcerated workers. Now, there are a few different companies that were highlighted in the Harvard Business Review story about how to use formerly incarcerated workers effectively. There's one company called Namaya Manufacturing, which is using social workers instead of HR professionals. Another manufacturing company, JBM, is using life coaches. I mean, it's really amazing how it's, it's one thing to increase diversity by hiring people who are formerly incarcerated, but it's another thing to really set them up for success and to advance within the company. Absolutely. And I think that was the key thing about how do you give someone a second chance, but put structures in place to enable that, right, and empower that. And in looking at, and what I liked about this too, is that looking at the why, why do people not, not be successful or organizations not, are not successful in this, right? Time and resources, how much are you putting towards that? The people, it's not necessarily an HR function, but really thinking about the social workers, psychologists, life coaches, right? These are like fundamental things that we don't really think about or that are needed that are really 
part of that system. And then also too, what I'd like to is that also understanding some of the biases that come with this a stigma with, with hiring, right? Um, and so when we think about it from that perspective, calling them out, but then what are we gonna do about it? And I think that's one of those are a couple of things that kind of resonated with me around this. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that, at least some of us know that a lot of people who are formerly incarcerated are there because of the war on drugs, which disproportionately put black men in particular in prison, and many of whom are still there, even though white folks who were doing coke instead of crack did not get imprisoned in that same way. And so to me, this is really a a true equity issue. It's about really making things right and taking it. I mean, there are real opportunities here. Yes. Especially when you're talking about, I think it mentioned too, the, the, uh, the work shortage and you're tapping into 19 million plus folks that put, who want to change their lives or make a difference in terms of changing or leaving behind their past to do something different. Right. So I think it's a great opportunity as long as the structures are in place to really support the success. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. The next story comes from the WHO, the World Health Organization, which has updated the guidelines for the health of transgender folks to establish that gender affirming care, including self-identification, is fundamental to well-being. So this is a really it's a really significant global uh, announcement. I mean, up until a few years ago, um, gender dysphoria wasn't even considered on this list. So it's really important to make sure there were no guidelines in the past. So really guidelines to make sure that these folks are having access to hormonal treatments, surgery, care, and the ability to really t- tell the world who they are. Yeah, it's really around coming from the healthcare background, right? And if it is not seen, it gets stepped over. And when you're talking about countries that criminalize transgender, criminalized, gender diverse folks. This is huge in terms of saying, no, they're included. They should be treated equitably. They should have access. And I think that's the thing that really resonated with me in terms of why it's so important that the who came out and put these guidelines around it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So my last story of the day, which might be my favorite story, I think this is a really, really important story. CVS has dropped the prices on its period products, its store brand period products. And in the states where it's possible, so about 11 states, they're actually paying sales tax, the aka the paying tax on period products. Now, there are other states in which third parties like CVS or there's a law where third parties are not allowed to pay that tax. But what a really interesting, cool, significant policy. Absolutely. I really didn't understand. I didn't realize that menstrual products were a luxury, actually. So, (laughs) you know, just in terms of that understanding and the inequities of just being a female, right? In terms Mm -hmm. of, and you think about socioeconomics and everything else that goes into play with that, It's a lot. And this is a huge step forward. More can be made of absolutely more gains. And I'm looking forward to seeing more gains and the momentum in that space. But absolutely calling it out and and supporting women in that and women's health. I think it's great. Well, it certainly helps that CVS has a female CEO. So um, Karen Lynch, I'm sure, had some input on this on this decision. You know, when there aren't very many women CEOs, <laughs> it, it's certainly notable to call them out and recognize the work that they do because, you know, there are a lot of folks who don't even see the full picture here. They don't understand the perspective and why this actually matters. 
But when there are plenty of folks who have to decide between buying food and buying tampons, this can really make a big difference. Absolutely. And that's why representation is important and having a different perspective important and a voice at the table, very important when making these types of decisions. Exactly. The more diversity you have in the room, the broader the perspectives, and the more likely your organization is going to show up on five things, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Simone. It's been wonderful having you. Any parting advice for our listeners today? No, thank you. You know, I love the energy. And if we can get more voices speaking about diversity and inclusion in a positive way and getting the momentum, that's all I need right now. (laughs) Exactly. You know what? That's why I do this, because there's a lot of things that we should be celebrating. And uh, and there's a lot of good stuff happening out there. So the more we talk about it, I feel like there's a momentum shift that is occurring. And uh, I want to be part of that. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for listening. And if you don't already get the five things newsletter, you can subscribe at five things, Have a great week. Thank you for listening to five things in 15 minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 